The Entrepreneur Adventure, giving entrepreneurs the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. If climbing higher and faster than ever before is your thing, if that's what you're looking for for your company, then do not miss this episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, the Sidekick Prophet, Josh Melton. I'm joined by my good buddy and business partner, the serial CFO, Mr. Chad Brown, as we interview Chad Collins, the owner and founder of Bone Dry Roofing, to talk about how to ignite explosive growth in your company. In the conversation, we go over how Chad took his business from hitting his 10-year goal, which was to multiply his company by five times, a multiplier five, and hitting it at the end of year two. If that's the kind of growth, the kind of explosive growth that you're looking for for your company, hitting 10-year goals in year two, in year three, then this is the episode for you, my friend. And without any further ado, here's our interview with Chad Collins. All right, welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. I'm so excited today because of our guest. Um, this is not for you, the listener. This is 100% for me and Chad. There's some questions we have we want to get answered. And we're here with one of our favorite people, Mr. Chad Collins, founder of Bone Dry Roofing in a lot of different places, based in Athens, Georgia, but you're in a bunch of other places too, it sounds like. So Chad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate the uh, the time to sit down and talk a little bit about uh, uh, our story, our growth, and, um, and, and really glad to do it. So let's dive into it, man. Tell us a little bit about the Bone Dry Roofing story. Uh, just on the backdrop of this, I want to introduce the idea at least that this isn't local mom and pop roofing company. You started it that way, but this is you're on the board of National Roofing something or other. I mean, you, you're playing this game at a big level. And so tell us the story. That's where, that's where the story, I say ends. That's where the story's at now as you're doing this at a really big level. Drop us back to the beginning. Kind of give us a quick rundown of this is how you launched Bone Dry Roofing and uh, your work from start to where you are now. Yeah, yeah. So um, I had been working for a commercial roofing contractor um, down in Savannah and moved up to Athens and and, and started my own roofing company. Um what I didn't realize at the time is how beneficial what I had been doing uh, for my for my past company was going to be to 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 starting a, a roofing company. I'm on. So when um, when I moved down to Savannah and was hired by this third generation roofing contractor, they hired me to start a service department. Um, so you know, imagine a, a an organization that's been in existence for you know some time, and what they knew is they had a problem. Um, with phone calls and opportunities that came in that couldn't be defined as either new construction work or re-roof work. Uh, if, if if it was a new construction project and it needed a roof estimate and then the, you know they had that that covered, and if it was somebody calling in and they had a building and it needed re-roofed, they had that covered. The problem was anything other than that, and that anything other could be. You know, we have a leak. We don't. We don't know what's wrong. We just. We've got water in the building. We've got water in our home. We've got. You know, I, I own a. I own a, a strip mall, and I need some mechanical work done, and I need a roofer to come flash these new penetration. You know, any and everything that you can imagine that fell in between the re-roof and the new roof, uh, got some version of handled, either handled really well, 
either not handled at all and anything in between. And that was literally the charge that they gave me the first day that I got there. They wanted me to take a few months and just kind of wrap my arms around what all of those calls looked like. You know, what, 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 what were they? How much opportunity was there? Well, so I spent three years doing this. And I assume you were fresh out of school at that point. You hadn't built departments. You hadn't built divisions of businesses you were flying blind oh yeah 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 and 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 even a little more so than that i knew very little about roofing i mean so uh um, so yeah so there was some uh you know there was some learning curve going on in all directions but um but it didn't take long to see what the what the dynamic was with all those phone calls um and it was very real that you know i talked to the people that were calling in so when I would go out of the office and, and go see these opportunities, I would just talk to the, the property manager, the building owner, the you know, whoever it was, and you know, they would share the heartburn, you know, like, right. hey, nobody, you know, this is the third company I've y'all are the third company I've called. The other two didn't even show up, or you know, I mean just all kind and so I just started piecing all of this together and seeing that you know, there was just this relational opportunity and space for somebody who could handle all of that really well. And so in the time that I was in Savannah, we grew that service department. I'm, I'm kind of fast forwarding. Um, but that was the model that I knew when I moved up to Athens. I knew from what I had been doing for in, in my previous position and with that company that there was an opportunity from day one to just drop down in a location and immediately start going after service type work. Property managers, of which there's a lot of in a university town, and mm-hmm. um, individual building owners, um, institute banks, churches, any anybody. Just hey, if you have a if you have a leak or or, or an issue with your roof, give us a call. Um, and what we knew is that type of work over time led to relational re-roofs. That sure. you know, if 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 Company X has been who I've been using every time I have an issue or if there's a problem, then you know when when my roof does get to the point that it's time to be replaced, hopefully there's a good enough relationship in place that. If, 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 if you're not the only one they're calling, you're certainly going to be one of a very short list. Right. And, um, and so uh, that is how we, from day one, number one, viewed our service department and sure. still view it to Makes this sense. day. Um, and second, uh, grew because of the focus on, on service and relationships and knowing that eventually that turned – um, hopefully turn those customers into long-term relationships. Yeah. So when you came to Athens, was it to, I'm moving to Athens, I'm starting a business, or was it, I'm moving to Athens and I'm going to try to find another roofing division? Was your mentality at that point, I want to be a business owner? Um, my, men- <laughs> my mentality at that point was like, uh, I got to live. You know, like that. I mean, it was, it was what I what I knew, and I'm really, and I'm not trying to be funny about it. what sure, what I yeah. knew is that if I was going to do something different, this was the time. Okay. You yeah. know, I'm I'm leaving. I'm moving up here because my wife and I, my my soon to be wife and I have gotten mm-hmm. engaged. And I'm so so if I'm going to exit the roofing industry and do something different, now's the time. And what and what I kept coming back to is there was just I really enjoyed what I did. And, I, and there was nothing else 
that I thought I wanted to be doing or that I thought was a better opportunity. I, I, I mean, right. I, you know, they, they, I was doing sort of this mental checklist of, you know, they're, 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 they're not going to invent a computer that can put a roof on. They're, you know, there, there's not, there's not people. I mean, we don't, we don't live and exist in a day and age where, you know, um, where, where there's just a bunch of really interested people in labor intensive work, which roof work is. And so, you know, there, there, there were, there was always going to be a need for the service we were providing. And there were probably more people getting out of roofing than there were getting into it. Um, and so, I mean, it was, it is an aging industry for all of those reasons. I mean, it's just, just hard. It's, um, you know, I think people, people certainly look at what we do, through a lens of well, there's got to be an you know it's outside, it's up in the air, sure. it's got to be an easier way to um, to do to do something to, to, to have a career in in, in the trades. Um, I think I think some of that stuff leads to a little bit of a misperception about what roofing is, and I think roofing has a really compelling story compared to other construction trades. Um, but it's easy to understand how it could. How, how it could get a bad rap. Yeah, not somebody, the most glamorous, sexiest uh, right. thing to go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, you know, you take a kid at an early enough age who's trying to make a decision, you know, he likes to work with his hands, but maybe he's in middle school or high school yeah. and he's trying to figure that out. And he like, you know, you look up in the air and you're like, oh, well, maybe that's not safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So it's easy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's just a lot of, opportunity for the roofing story, I think, to get a little bit sideways, uh, more so than maybe some other trades. Um, but, but yeah, that is, uh, back to the, back to that question, the, the growth side of it really started, um, you know, with me just, uh, sort of reproducing a similar, similar model to what I had been doing in a service department for someone else. So I got a question for you on that. Just kind of dive into your story, so to speak. You moved to Athens for romance, not for roofing, right? That was like what draw you to Athens. <laughs> uh, that's well said. That's your correct. Beautiful wife, Sabrina. <laughs> At what point did you decide, or was the seed of entrepreneurship in your heart, where you thought, you know, one day I'm going to own my own business, or I'm going to run my own show? Was that something that been there for a long time, or was that something in your moving that, like you said, moving to Athens? You were like, well, maybe. Maybe I should just start my own gig. Is that the first time it really came about for you? Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, and I've thought about this certainly, you know, a lot more in, in retrospect um, because what I found out um, is what I really was passionate about. And what I really enjoyed was was creating opportunity. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I mean, um, and and now in looking back, I think I can see. Um, I think I can see some. Uh, examples of where I, I, I'm, I wasn't a great employee for someone, uh, and some of that is linked to you know probably sure. it was it was just in my wiring to to be a to be an entrepreneur to be a job creator, um, but I don't I don't know that I really identified that early on or or even in some of my. Um, you know, early job experiences. I, you know, I just think I identified that stuff as oh, that's just not a good fit. I don't really enjoy that, and so it's that's that's probably why it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, as we got started and um, began to grow a little, and and needed to hire and, and have additional resources, um, it became pretty evident pretty quick that where I was really really passionate and where my passion lied was in. Um, was in trying to figure out how to grow and create additional opportunity 
once we once we kind of started down that path with um, with, with growing our company. Once you got in, let's say year one, year two, that growth mentality, were you wanting to be big? Were you seeing like multi-million dollar company at that point? Or was it still, I'm just trying to build uh, enough money to sustain the life I want? What, what was your yeah. entrepreneurial thought at that time of the, of the building process? Yeah, um, so... Right or wrong, the you know my my vision, sort of the context that I looked at a roofing company from was where my past experience had been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I when I started and, and to I, to give that a little bit of shape, um, the company I worked for uh, again was a, was a third generation um, contractor, and when I was there, I want to say the 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 year I left, they did not maybe nine and a half million dollars in revenue um, as an organization, and yeah. and in my mind that was enormous. Um, you know, and again, absolutely. You know, I'm again what I'm what I'm just looking at it as is you know size of the building, number of trucks, number of employees, number of moving parts. You know, that's just. You know, in my mind, that was huge. So, so if I had any kind of context or any kind of vision, I think it was really to just try to recreate that. You know, to yeah. me, in year one or year two, the thought of ever reaching that level seemed pretty unlikely, but it seemed like a great goal to have. And so, I, th- you know, that just yeah. sort of shaped my. Um, you know the, the 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 vision I guess I had of where I wanted to see us try and go, and again I I thought it was unattainable. <laughs> I mean I really did. I mean it, it's it's um that 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 did that did just seem like you know well gosh I, I don't know how you ever get there, but heck half of there would be really good. Yeah. So when when you're getting started with this too, because this is interesting to me, and again we've known each other for a decade. And an entrepreneur can be one day like, I'm going to be the next Bill Gates. And the next day, I don't know how to turn my computer on. Like, we just, it's the highs and lows, especially getting started. It's easy to be arrogant one day and again, kind of down on the dumps the next day. How long did you think it would take you to build, to re, to build what you had known? I know you said you thought it was like maybe unattainable, but if it was going to be attainable, did you have this like maybe in 10 years or 15 or five? Like, where were you at with it? Yeah, I thought like at maybe like at retirement age, it would, you know, it might be that size. I mean, I, I, yeah, I I had no, there was no part of me that thought um, I could get there in any kind of relative short time frame. It just, it just seemed, and again, you know, I was basing it on just the, the, the 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 simple things like you know we were an office of two or three and that had been an office of much more than that and you know we had x number of full-time employees and that they had 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 many many more employees than that and so it was just you know the i didn't have resources um there there was i had not like saved up to to embark on this journey. I didn't have, you know, there wasn't a family, there was no family money sitting there to like, Hey, let's go try this. So, um, so that was another obstacle, uh, in terms of just trying to figure out how we were going to grow this and literally let the work we were doing and the growth we were experiencing 
be the you know the funding mechanism for I was scared to death of debt and didn't want to you know just didn't want to didn't want to be saddled with that probably probably largely because like well if this doesn't work I you know I want to sure have that crumble down on top you just summarized what I feel like is 99 percent of the business owners out there right now a few employees making money successful scared of debt scared of 10 years but excited and think at retirement hey i think i can get here your description of your early days of bone dry i think encompasses a lot of what i experience as a business owner and probably a lot of other people out there who's been in business for a few years and who is building a company but to get to the level that this other company had grew to or spoiler alert twice the level they were at where bone dries at now or more um how did it happen like how did you get the confidence and the skill and the the success of, of for it to happen so much faster than than you thought at the time it was going to let me jump in on this question too because that's where i want this to go again this this episode's for me and chad Absolutely. we want to find out like we're letting people listen in to us ask you some questions we want to know the answers to but i do want the listener to know what we're what the it's end result is so to speak. You're well known in your industry. You got a very successful company. You're well known locally. People see you as successful. I mean, you and I've had conversations where I'm like, "Hey, Chad, you really need to run for Congress, or you need to run for city." I mean, you know what I'm saying? So like, you you have influence and leadership skills and all these great things. And your company is, if somebody says roofing around here, everybody knows bone dry roofing. There's billboards. I mean, you guys are just you got a great brand. Just so many good things about your company. People would see you as a leader locally. Seems like you got a good lifestyle, you got a great family, you know, family guy, all these things that I think a lot of people would say, this is the life that I want. And you've achieved a lot of these things. And you're modest, you would never say these things like I'm saying them, but at some point in time, something, I don't know if it was gradual, it is you grew into this belief, but at some point in time you did believe that you could pass the company that you came from. And I know, and this is where I really want to hammer home on the mentality here. I want to know how you think in regards to this. At some point, you set a goal. All right, 10 years from now, this is what my company, I think my company can look like this in 10 years. And it was bigger than the company you came from. So at some, so you had to at least believe, like, okay, we can, be, we can be bigger and better than they at least were. And then you crushed that goal in three years. And a lot of us followed the book Traction, and so it's part of that with setting your three-year, 10-year goal stuff. But you hit a 10-year goal in three years. And I want to know what happened from day one, here's the goal, to crazy momentum, explosive growth. Oh my God, three years down the road, we just did our 10 year number. And we're not talking about, oh, we went from 100,000 to 200,000 this year. We're, we're, we're talking millions and millions of dollars here. Walk us through, well, how did you get to that big goal? How did you start believing you could do it? How did you start ramping up growth? Like, tell me about the process. Tell me about what you're thinking. Tell, tell us what you were doing, because I know for, that's what it we're talking about. It turned from retirement plan to like three year plan. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you just you hit some explosive growth, and I think every entrepreneur dreams of that. And at least that part of the ride, you know, you hit it. You did something awesome, and I want to know about it. I want to know again, kind of like what what changed for Chad Collins from setting the goal to seeing the goal accomplished so much faster than you set out to accomplish it. Um, several things. Um, first and foremost. Um, 
you know, we've we've talked about this in the context of, of traction and 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 the and and the uh, entrepreneurial operating system, and and I'm I'm not a uh, I'm not a, a billboard or an advertising arm for them. I really believe there's there's dozens of really similar operating systems out there. I don't think there's anything unique about traction in and of itself. Um, what what attracted me, and, and I'm saying this in, in in a little bit of traction conversation because the uh, they they they're, they're hand in hand. All, the mm-hmm. growth was a byproduct of of us committing to this process. Um, had it been some other operating system, I think I I, I think the results would have been the same. Um, I, I because I don't think it was the process as much as it was the behavior and the commitment to utilizing the operating system to do what we said we wanted to do. And and that was the first big step. Uh, traction was the first time embarking on this operating system was the first time that we as an organization really sat down and committed the time and energy to stating and writing down and putting it on paper and putting it in front of us what we wanted to do. And that is a huge step. It is a huge step to take it just from being a thought that you, like you said, that gets robbed by some days the thoughts are good, some days they're not. And, you know, uh, from being maybe a vision that, oh, well, it was a vision two years ago, but that's not really the same vision anymore. And I never even wrote it down anyway, so it couldn't have been that compelling of a vision. And so it was just the first time that we got really intentional about saying and claiming where we wanted to go. It also was the first time that there was a real clear understanding that in order to do that, we couldn't do it by ourselves. I couldn't do it by myself. I have a business partner, Travis. Travis and I could not do what we were doing at the scale that we were talking about wanting to do it. And he and I touch, feel, control everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big point. So what do you mean by that? So you're, are you saying from the standpoint of before that moment, everything for the most part probably came across your desk or Travis's desk. And That's you got right. To that point, hey, we're not going to be able to yeah. see everything anymore. That's right. So well, how'd you do that? What'd you, did you just focus on being a better leader? Did you just start delegating stuff? Like what, what changed yeah. for that as far as in practicality? Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the steps in this process was creating a leadership team. And, um, Again, one of one of the things that I loved and still love about Traction is Traction just has a very simplistic model and is really easy to understand. And it seems for, for me, for, for maybe my wiring and how I look at it, it, it was just very easy for me to envision this being implemented in our organization. And and what I mean by that is from it from even a from even a functional structure, you know, Traction was was really clear on, you know, most businesses, you know, you can find exceptions and you could, you know, you could find these one-off examples, but essentially all business has, has a sales and marketing function, an operations function, and a finance function. And from those three boxes and spaces, everything else flows. 
And so in order to create a leadership team, you were going to have to find, whether they were already there or you had to go get them, you were going to have to find someone to own those three boxes and who had the ability to manage people beneath there that would be reporting to those three boxes. So there was just a, I mean, it, it wasn't a thousand steps. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was three boxes, three core functions that for what we do as a contractor made perfect sense. We have an operation side getting work done. We have a sales side getting work in the door and we have a finance side and admin side of, of sort of paperwork, pushing, handling, managing all of that internally. And, and that, that was a big deal. That was a, that was a, um, okay, I can see this and how it would allow us to leapfrog where we are and, and, and really allow us to go at a much faster and greater level where we want to, where we want to go to. Um, Question for you right there. Mm-hmm. Was this a risk, a financial risk for you at the time? Because obviously a leadership team is not out putting on roofs. So they have no immediate income. Um, they're an expense item from the start. Uh, is that something y'all are in a position where you were financially safe to do that? Or is this kind of an entrepreneurial risk of, hey, I'm betting on what's in the future by spending some money now? Yeah, uh, um, a little bit of all that. I mean, you know, one thing that I had seen from day one of what we were doing um, is, you know, there was there was not this linear graph of earnings and, and um and cost, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, you know, where it would be great if, if it were, you know, the, that, that journey over the maybe five or six years, uh, prior to, or, or even longer than that sure. was more of a stair step type model okay. yeah. where, you know, you might invest in resources that you needed, but those resources would give you the capacity to do twice as much revenue as you had been doing. So if you were nesting back here on the on the back end of what your new capacity was, you were not as efficient and you were not maximizing the opportunity at the level that you could be for the same amount of resources. Sure. And so I had I had seen that okay, you know, our organization looked and felt a certain way from about dollar zero to Two and a half million in revenue. Right. Um, it, it, it felt a lot better at two and a half million than it did at zero, but it took about the same amount of resources. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there was probably another stepping point from about two and a half million to five or six million. Um, so obviously, if you had if you had resourced up or or staffed up or hired up, and you were you had the capacity to do six million. You didn't want to be sitting back there at two and a half million, and so so we knew that. Yeah. Um, and with that, having lived through those stages of the growth, we just sort of looked at where we were going over the next several years as as, as just another version of that. So. Um, it felt a little scarier because because the numbers were bigger, but it was the same. We weren't introducing new um, 
you know, this this wasn't um, you know, we weren't uh, we weren't growing by bringing on additional services right. or additional yeah. offerings. You know, we were just we were just creating ways to do what we were already doing successfully, uh, just more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was some of the you know when we started down this road, we didn't have an office in Charleston, um, so that was part of our. Uh, of our growth was was sure. was getting another location in a market that we wanted to be in, and I'll tell you, you know, when when we when we named that and wrote that down on paper, sounded great. We it sounded exciting. In the back of my mind, I was certainly thinking, how are we ever going to do that? <laughs> um, so that was part of your of your ten year picture when you wrote out. Because for those who don't know traction, you write out like. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to look like. Yeah. Like 10 years, it's kind of down the road. Here's the target. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is might what it'll look, what it'll look like when we get there. Yeah. And, 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 and just for clarity, like, you know, with the understanding that 10 years is such a long time in, in, in the life of a business, mm-hmm. uh, that 10 year picture has no specifics. So there was not, you, we weren't thinking even of a city. We were just saying, we think in order to do that amount of revenue, we'll, we'll need to have an office yeah. in another market. Right. Yeah, so you come up with first. All right, so you set the long term goal. All right, ten years down the road, this is where I think we might be. We could we could get to this number. Mm-hmm. Or, so, what would that look like? And then you start filling in. Well, if we're going to do that, we have to be in another market. But mm-hmm. you just kind of label the the long term goal and write it down first. Yep. You said the second thing that you did was you guys realized that all right, if we're going to be at that level in ten years, we can't do it all ourselves. We're going to have to have a leadership team and scale up. Was there anything else that went into that moment of where you're changing from once you get that 10-year goal? And all right, what does that mean from a philosophical change in the company if we got to do this different? Yeah, so so what we realized, so we get a year in, maybe two years into this to this process, and we're seeing success. We're seeing the things that we're wanting to do and claiming and naming and 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 lining up to do. Those things are happening. Um, so a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement around those things. And, and, and maybe the biggest realization that, that hit me in the, in the middle of all this was, wow, we are really about to ha- we are really getting to a point where we are going to have to be careful with our leadership team because, they didn't necessarily sign up from day one to be going where we're going and to be doing what we're doing. And so, you know, when we first started and we wanted someone having responsibility for that sales function, that someone had been a functional estimator in our organization for several years. And he was a really good estimator. He, he did not sign up for... <laughs> Hey, now, even though your job looked like this a year ago, fast forward a year from now, two years from now, your roles and responsibilities are going to be really different. And and your existence at our organization is going to be really different because now, you know, we're going to we're going to need you training and managing estimators, not estimating work. And so I I I got really good at talking about that. Um, and what, I guess what I'm saying is I talked about that all the time. Um, question for you. 
And this, this is why I love this and the opportunity you have in here to ask you questions. I feel like in one of my businesses, we're at bone dry year eight and we're a small business and it's successful, but everybody on our team is a technician. Everybody is generating income. Everybody's really good at what they do, which is sounds like the position you were in with the estimator. Now it's time to go to the next level. These technicians have to turn into managers or leaders. What was your success rate there? And was that hard? And did, did you have to change uh, technicians and team members? Did all those people rise with it? How, how did that transition work for you? And how did you weather that storm of, of getting everybody to change the way they're approaching their job from that standpoint? Yeah, yeah. Um, great question. Uh, some of all of it. Okay. Um, there, there are... Um, there are individuals who are are just wired to to handle whatever comes their way. Um, you know, if 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 you know market conditions change, um, whether we're talking roofing or anything else, and you walk in the door one day and say, "Hey, I know we've been successful doing this for several years, but we don't think there's opportunity to do it this way." Moving forward, we're going to have to figure out another way. You know, we're about to, you know, we're going to stop making wedges. We're going to make widgets because we just think that's what we have to do. There are people who are okay with that as long as they understand the why. Sure. Okay. Well, we're not just doing this because on a whim, but you know, uh, and then there are others who just, you know, it doesn't matter. You're you're not going to convince them or sell them on the idea that that's a better way. And so either they're just going to walk or over time they're going to create enough friction uh, and resistance that, you know, it'll, it'll, you'll, you'll show them the door. Sure. Uh, and, and we had some of all of it. I mean, we had some, of, you know, we had people who, who are no longer with us because they just, they liked it the way it was. And it wasn't like that anymore. And so this isn't the same place. Uh, we've had others who have loved it, who have, who have, have been with us from day one of the intentional growth and are still with us and are, 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 I think bought in at a high level. Um, and we, and, and we've had others who, um, we've had a leadership team change. Um, someone who was, who was, who was, uh, owning one of those core functions, um, left uh, and, 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 you know, for, for the reasons we talked about, I mean, he walked in the office one day and said, Hey, you know, it, it, I, I liked it the way it was. And I just, you know, I, I just, I, I, in his defense, when we hired him, he, his job responsibilities did not look like they looked the day he left. And that was really what had, 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 had gotten him to the point that he was leaving is, you know, when he started, he was able to just do what he was there to do. The day he left, he was, we were asking him to manage about 10 or 12 direct reports and he didn't, he didn't like that. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, and, and I get it. I mean, it's, you know, and, and, and the reality, it was hard because, uh, it was actually in the finance box. I mean, he was mm-hmm. our controller mm-hmm. and had been there for eight years. And so it was a, it was a, big shakeup in terms of just, you know, that, that box can't be just left alone. Um, but it was absolutely the right thing. And we knew 
that the tension and stress was there. Sure. Like we, Travis and I had all, we, we had already been talking about, you know, Hey, are we going to address this by addition? Are we going to address, how, how are we going to, how are we going to figure this out? So, you know, and, and I, I, we understood when we started that that was part of the, you know, that was just, that was just part of the deal that there was going to be, um, change. There was going to be addition, subtraction, and, you know, all of that stuff was a, were, were casualties that we were just like, yeah, we're 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 willing to we're willing to deal with that for in the belief that where we're going is is better, um, and 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 there's more opportunity and, and growth. It's funny you're so you're saying this, and it makes me think of number one is I think you may have t- you may have actually told me this I can't remember, but somebody told me their company it's like look my my company's not a family my company's a team. If your family, you never get kicked out of your family, but there's teams that, you know, I mean, even the greatest, you know, the Kobe Bryant's, the Tim Duncan's, at some point they start losing their game, and they retire. It doesn't make somebody a bad person if they no, if they no longer fit on the team, and it doesn't make an employer bad if they recognize that this person doesn't fit on the team anymore. You're not disloyal. I mean, it just it just doesn't fit, right? It's like the person's ambition or for life or for for their career success, maybe it's not the same, or maybe they're in a different season of life where they don't want to run this hard anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay for people to move on to a company or for a company to move on from a person. Now, again, in this time, you had 10 years, 10-year goal. And this 10-year goal was like the five times, six times your company. And you hit it in three years. At what point in time from year one to year three, you start realizing, hey, man, we can we can crush this goal. Like this isn't some 10-year idea I don't know if I can hit. Like We can get this. We can get this fast. How did that shift? How did that change? Yeah, so um, – and, and, I, and I don't remember – I don't remember the numbers exactly, but you know, somewhere in the first year and a half, um, you know, we saw that the ten-year target wasn't a had not been a big enough target. I mean, it had not been a big enough <laughs> ask. I mean, and it was crazy. I mean, because we were going okay. Well, so when we started, I mean, we were you know five five and a half million. We started. We had set a ten year target of twenty five million. We were, that that was our that was our our ten year target. And typically, when people set these ten year goals like this, like you really don't know if you can hit it, right? You're just kind of like, I th- I think we could get here, maybe. That's why we're. I mean, you don't put a goal you know you can hit, right? You're not yeah, a, absolutely. In fact, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, part of the process, you know, that ten year target is supposed to be like you. You may think it is unobtainable. I mean, that that's part of that's okay. I mean, that's that's where we want to be with a with just a a ten year. You know, not a lot of detail. No, no detail. Just to throw it out there. Throw it out there because we're gonna we're gonna from there we're gonna rewind to three years, you know, and if we want to be here in 10, let's just, let's just go to three, let's go three years out and let's give that a little bit of shape just and, and, and establish, you know, what would three years out need to look like for you to hit that big 10 year number. And that's the process of going through, um, going through the, the exercises as a leadership team and, and, and establishing the, 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 um, the direction in, in the, in what they call the vision traction organizer. But, um, yeah, so you're like 12 months, just, just beyond 12 months into this and you're like, yeah. hold on a second. Yeah. That 10 year. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's so way it, too small. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and, and maybe I'm just beating around the bush too much. So, so at our, at the start of our, 
three-year, at the start of our third year in, in the process, our January 1 kind of kickoff of the year meeting, um, we had done the year before we had done we had done like 24 million and and i assume like anything in business you've got to work hard for bone dry or chad didn't hit the roofing lottery or nothing some magic bullet didn't come along y'all just executed steps along the way that crushed it what how did you accelerate that what were those steps how did you turn a a target or a goal into action. Items. Into reality. So your yeah. 10 year goal is 24, was it 30 uh, or something like that? Yeah, our 10 year had been 25. And, and at the end of the second year in the process, we did 24. And so, yeah, so at that meeting, we reestablished the 10 year and just kind of said, okay, well, if we can do that, then let's maybe we should, maybe we should kind of punt and, 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 and redefine this a little bit. Um, but Chad, to your question specifically, um, it was. It really was just incremental growth. Understanding that, um, you know, in our world, um, an estimator, a, a, a seasoned estimator, can really get you about you know X amount of dollars right. of work in a, in a given year. I mean, we 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 knew that before we ever you know we knew what an estimator's ability was to, to bring work in. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty dialed in. Sure. Um, so, so it really is as simple as saying, okay, well, if, you know, and I'm just going to throw out random numbers, but right. say if an estimator can get you $3 million worth of, of, of profitable work and you want to do $30 million worth of work, it's pretty, it's pretty linear. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so from a, from a revenue standpoint, it was, it, it it was easy to say okay well we can we can talk about all the numbers we want to talk about but if we have one estimator or two estimators and we're saying we want to do all this you know clearly one of the next steps is we're going to have to hire some manpower yeah you know and and with more work comes the need for more supervision and more direct labor and more, you're right more administrative help and more you know um and and we just right or wrong for us we've just always tried to lead growth wise with sales i mean we've always said look if we're in in in, in the way we're doing this we'll figure out the rest of it We'll figure out how to get the work done we'll figure out how to support it administratively we'll figure out we'll figure out we'll figure out Let's lead with the ability to get work, the the ability to go out there, and if we want to grow the residential side or the commercial side or the service side, let's lead with with sales and estimating hires, and then you know because if you get someone who's not already seasoned or already trained, then there's a learning curve. Sure. You know, so in the time that that guy is becoming a, a functional sales tool, you can be... You're building the back end. That's right. Back that's ends. right. And then, and that's maybe another one of the realizations that showed up early on is there was, there was no, um, there was no off season in the, in the, in the, um, in the sense of uh, hiring 
and recruiting and onboarding talent. Like that became evident early on that this, oh, this is a never ending cycle of, mm. of looking and, and, you know, um, because by the time you need somebody, it's too late. I mean, it, it and so we, uh, you know, probably one of the, one of the very first hires that, uh, big hires that we made was a full-time HR director. And we had probably needed a full-time HR director 18 to 24 months before we actually got her hired. Um, you know, but that was just one of the, you know, one of the, one of the hurdles of, of all this, the growth created the, um, but yeah, that is a, that is, that it, it never ends. We are, we are constantly searching and constantly looking and interviewing and talking to and recruiting and, you know, telling that, telling this same story. I mean, it's the same story. Now we're just telling it to people outside the walls of the organization. One question on that from the standpoint of the, the scaling so quickly, did the size of the jobs you were going after change dramatically or was it just like, nope, we just produced more of what we've been producing that that is a that's a really good question. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank <laughs> uh, yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yes and yes. Um, we did not. We did not intentionally start looking for bigger work, larger revenue, larger square footage jobs. Coincidentally, we started doing larger jobs around the same time that our growth really took off. And there is a there is a correlation. Uh-huh. And this was something that I had really experienced from day one because when we started as a as a service company, you know, typically with service crews, I mean, we, we're we're doing you know those are those are two man repair crews. Um, you know, say you're doing service work for a um, a hospital, and one of the roofs that you've been doing leak repairs on, it just gets to the point where it's time to replace it. Well, obviously, if it's a big enough roof, I mean, that roof cannot be replaced by two guys. So immediately. If the service side did what you always intended it to do, which was lead to relational re-roof, you you were in the position that you were going to have to hire additional resources to to do that re-roof. And when you did that, at the end of that roof project, you were left with a decision. Do you continue to figure out how to have more re-roof work so the guys that you just hired to do that work stay with you or do you just let them go and now you're just back out there doing service work. And so it, it created this really interesting position in terms of growing where once you started the ball rolling on that side, there, there was no slowing it down and or no stopping it from rolling. I mean, you you had made the commitment to hire labor. If you're hiring labor, now that here comes equipment and with trucks sure. and you know, and so it just once that started and we have seen that time and time and time again hold true. So in our world and I, and I mean this universally with roofing, a million dollar roof 
is, is a large project. I mean, sure. by any yeah. metric, square footage, uh, investment, risk, I mean, all, all of it. I mean, it's it just... It, it takes a really big project to to to, to have a million dollar uh, uh, roof need. Um, you know, we had existed for thirteen years probably before we ever did a roof that was a million dollar roof. And 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 I'm just again, I'm just using that as a as a metric for because it, it because it's just very real and it and. Once you did one, you you somehow found yourself in the environment of having more opportunity for roofs of that size. And some of it was, I think, demonstrating an ability to do it. Some of we do a lot of relational, a lot of repeat work for the same construction management firms, the same owners. And I do think that some of that is is not coincidence. It is you have you've done something you've demonstrated an ability to do it those projects typically have a lot of um hands in the pot in terms of um who's managing them lots of times it's two or three different entities maybe engineering consultative the owner probably has an a rep that's from an outside firm so your name gets associated with projects like that mm-hmm. and we just saw that so part of that growth and part of that explosion all all of this just sort of marinated and happened all at once. Um, you know, this was on the back end of the downturn, right? I mean, everybody had kind sure. of come through that. The economy was better, good. Um, so there were just a lot of uh, a, a lot of right time, right place, right opportunity. You know, a lot of this stuff just all um, happened for us. Yeah. You guys figured out how to make it happen though. Cause it's not hard. It's not hard to sell in a, in a good climate for selling. Right. But it's hard to figure out how to fulfill the promise. I sure. Mean, anybody sitting here can go out and sell something, but making what you sold happen is a different story. You guys were able to figure that out. That's and that's, awesome. the, that's the cool thing that I've heard here that, I didn't understand from a growth standpoint is you got two gas pedals here. You got the sales estimator and you got the hiring, recruiting and training side. And you've kept the pedal down on both nonstop at yeah. 5 million, at 10 million, at 20 million, even now at wherever you're at now. And I know for us, like in our business together, Josh and the cleaning company, we'll go out and we'll sell and we'll, we'll pick up seven new accounts and we're like, Oh my God, we got to figure out, stop, stop selling. Don't, don't do any yeah. selling. Don't do any quoting. Let's delay some stuff. We got to build the back end now. We got to go hire some people and train them and protect our reputation and, and make sure we're doing a good job. And that's what our company's built around. And we'll get that fixed for two months. And we'll go back out here and think about selling, but organically pick up four new accounts bigger than anything we've ever done before. And we don't really know why. And it's the opportunity of the space you're in. We're like somebody learning to drive a stick shift for the first time. Yeah, we're back and it's forth. Like, we're like, break gas, break yeah, gas. Man. Drive over here, Josh. Drive over here. But you've you've kept the pedal down both places and said, "Hey, we're going to keep the pedal to the floor on the sales side and on the recruitment side." Yeah, you're shifting side. gears. It seems like in, in the right sense. Yeah. Which which means you grow five or ten times faster. Which seems so logical and makes sense that putting it in that perspective for me is the first time I've ever thought about it from that. And that 
that's an awesome revelation for me as a business owner and and relates directly to our businesses. We're going to sell one day and we're shutting down sales and trying to protect that the next and then we're back and forth. But if you do both at one time, you, you grow that much faster. Yeah, and it, and it really is a, um, a deliberate approach. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and we see it and, and I'm sure you guys see it too in some of the, in some of the uh, businesses that, that y'all have. It, you know, in that same scenario, you know, if, you're, if, you, if, if we weren't doing that, you know the the guys that the, the the guys selling the work for us. You know their their plate fills up when when they're selling and they're getting work. There is also a, a you know some project management function that goes with that selling. And so you know what what the tendencies are is you know you sell and you get a hit. You sell, you get a hit, you get a hit, and then all of a sudden they stop selling as much because they're spending more time project managing the work that they've got. Sure. And then what was inevitable is that work starts getting completed. Well, they've not been spending as much time selling because they were project managing. And then everybody gets to the end of that job. Everybody's sitting around looking at each other going, well, where are we going next? And we knew we're like, well, yeah, we can't be there. We, we, we have got to, we have got to administratively support them and allow that project management function, although they have to have some, but, but, but to minimize that so that they never stop selling and they never stop looking for opportunity because now you know there there is just a it's just a bigger animal to feed and and we just can't have you know days or weeks go by where they are not day in and day out focused on getting more more work and more opportunity and fortunately we've just got someone in that operations function that oversees and 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 leads that uh that side for us who I mean, he's just like, you know what, well, I don't need y'all thinking about that. What I need y'all thinking about is getting work. You leave the getting the work done to us. And if we need anything, we'll let you know. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that, that part of it has been, and it takes a special, you know, I mean, it takes a, it takes a, a, a special skill set to do that. But, 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 but you know this, I mean, not to not to oversimplify it, but um, you know we we are able to quality control and and have more oversight and supervision on work we do today than, than we ever have before because we have more resources. Yeah, I mean we're able to sell more than we've ever, because because we have more salesmen and more opportunities out there, and so uh, you know it, it, it just sort of builds on itself and. You know the, the the stuff that scares you to death in the beginning. Well, golly, if you you know, oh well, if you if you had more work, it means more more personnel and more you know more management and more and more and more and and, and, and some of that gets mitigated with just it. You know, I mean, at the at the end of the day, it's just it's just math. Yeah, absolutely. That's well, awesome. Yeah, and the great thing, man, is you you just you you've got your company at a good point where. You're running in stride, and like you're saying, like most companies, just they they don't get to that point where they got the right pace, where they're able to do what you guys have done, which is to consistently grow your company. The awesome thing about this particular podcast episode is that we got a million more questions, but we don't have more time. You've left us wanting more. We're like, oh, we got all these questions, but we've been at it about an hour, probably a little over. I've got at least twenty things written down. So what that guarantees, like two. so this is what it guarantees is you got to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Time. So thanks, man, for sharing. The entrepreneur adventure from your vantage point. Is there any 
one last takeaway you want our listener to get from our conversation today? Um, you know, I would say if if you are if you are not happy where you're at, if you are dissatisfied with where you are in that journey, um, you, you make the intentional effort to figure out for yourself where it is you want to go. Uh, take the time. I mean, just sit down, just walk away, and spend a day and write down. You know, if this isn't if this isn't happiness, if this isn't satisfaction, if this isn't what you thought it was going to be, what is? What does that look like? Um, because I really do think there there is incredible value and power in just seeing that in front of you, and then from there figuring, okay, now what is it going to take to get there? How, how do how do we? If this is what success or uh, freedom or happiness looks like for me, then let now let's create the roadmap to go from where we are to there. That's fantastic. Two things here. Uh, number one, we'll, I want to know where does Bone Dry and Chad Collins go from here? Um, what's the future look like, and what's the future plans for you and the company? And then also, where can we find you at if somebody wants a new roof, if somebody's interested in finding more about you guys and everything you do? Kind of where do you where do you find you at and, and things of that nature? Sure, sure. So we just came off of. Uh, uh, it, it's January. We just came yeah. off. We just came off of our uh, <laughs> off of a, of a two day uh, sort of annual leadership team refocus, recharge, uh, team build. Uh, uh, it, it was great. Uh, so we're just fresh off of that from last week, and um, you know we we have we have uh, sort of redefined the 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 direction we're heading and where we want to go. Um, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a much bigger, it's a much bigger, uh, get than, than where we started. Um, so, so that there's a, there's a lot of excitement and, and fun in that we'll do, um, we'll do about 31 this year, 31 million this year That's in amazing. revenue. Um, and we've kind of, we've kind of set a set a 10 year that's uh that that's well beyond beyond that and you know kind of named and claim how we'll do that in terms of a di- you know what wh- what personnel are we going to need and what new hires do we want to try to make this year and next and the next to to to, to take us there um so so it's exciting and fun uh we're we're easy to find www.bonedry.net um, that'll get you to our website from there. It's got all of our three market locations, contact info, but, uh, either, either, either bonedryroofing.net or 855-BONE-DRY and, uh, and, and you'll find us. And you guys can find Chad Collins on social media. If you just search long enough, you'll get to see his ski trips and vacations and the dude's had time to hit the gyms, all I know. So I'm just glad this isn't a video podcast because he's in better shape than me and you, Chad. So Chad Collins, thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Entrepreneur Adventure. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please be sure to like and subscribe to The Entrepreneur Adventure wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.theentrepreneuradventure.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And remember, The Entrepreneur Adventure does not have to be traveled alone, but is a journey to be shared. We'll catch you next time on Entrepreneur Adventure, where we give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before.